right, Tim Roy, we continue to mock the 2012 NBA draft as we are now through the first eight picks of the NBA draft. We're up to number nine. The Detroit Pistons are on the clock. And before we introduce our guests, let's run down the selection so far. With a number one pick, no big surprise there. Anthony Davis of Kentucky goes to the New Orleans Hornets. The Charlotte Bobcats took a Thomas Robinson of Kansas via the prediction of Rick Bunnell, who writes for the Charlotte Observer. And then Mike Wise from the Washington Post. He picked for the Washington Wizards and took Michael Kidd Gilchrist of Kentucky for the third overall selection. Akron Beacon Journal reporter Jason Lloyd selected for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He took Harrison Barnes of North Carolina at number four. At number five, the Sacramento Kings and Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com. He picked Bradley Beal, the shooting guard from Florida. And then with the number six selection, the voice of the Portland Trailblazers, Brian Wheeler. He took Damian Lillard of Weber State, the point guard from Oakland, California. Jaron Sullinger went to the Warriors at number seven, as selected by Tom Tobert of KNBR. And then with the eighth pick, the Toronto Raptors. Jason Satur of Raptors.com on the clock, and he selected the shooting guard from Syracuse, Dion Waiters. So Andre Drummond of Connecticut still on the board at number nine. And to help us with the number nine selection in our mock draft, we go to Pistons.com. We welcome back his second year in a row, helping us with the Detroit pick, and that is Keith Langlois. And Keith, uh, with Drummond on the board, that would have to be uh, pretty enticing, I would think, to Joe Dumars. Well, I, you know, I think if the Pistons would have gotten the number two pick, it would have been pretty enticing, too. I, you know, I've, I heard all year some, some teams saying, uh, it, look, you know, if we get the number one pick, great, it's Anthony Davis. But if we don't get the number one pick, I'm not so sure I want to move up to number two because, you know, with the difference you pay in, in, in guaranteed money to the number two pick versus uh, later in the, in the lottery, and, and a lot of people think that after and Davis, that you can throw a net over the next 10, 12 players and, and uh, you know, might might get somebody just as good at later in the lottery as uh, up in the top two or three. What are the Pistons' needs heading into this draft? Well, I think much like, much like we discussed last year, an athletic big guy, they can stick next to Greg Monroe and, you know, hopefully have their front court solidified for the next 10 years or so. Now, you know, it, last year it was, it was really uh, an upset that, you know, they, they had their eyes on about four or five big guys and were pretty sure that one or two of them would still be on the board. I think the monkey wrench in last year's draft came at number four, where Cleveland took Tristan Thompson. Well, I think the Pistons probably thought the one into the draft was more than likely to be on the board when they picked, and maybe someone they would have been really interested in taking. This year, I think it's a little different. They've got their eyes on six or seven guys. I think there's a chance, especially with the news that that Sullinger had had some medical issues with the back that was flagged at the draft combine. It, there's a chance all seven of the guys that they're thinking of could be on the board and no I didn't consider Truman to be one of those seven. I think there's a you know a slim chance, maybe a ten to twenty percent chance that he falls all the way to nine. But uh I think there's a you know a number of good guys who kind of fit what we're talking about here, an athletic big guy that the Pistons can stick next to Greg Monroe. You know, it's funny too because you know, as you, you point out, you know, everybody's looking for that kind of athletic uh, big guy four or five. There are some athletic guys in this draft, but you know, I, I go back and in, in and uh, and look at a, a, a different drafts over the years, and there's always some guy, there's always some value, a guy you know picking a late lottery, and there's more ballyhooed guys picked above him, but there's always some guy from about eight to fourteen who ends up being a really good player. 
Yeah, and I, and I think this draft is going to yield a couple of a couple of those types. If you look at everybody's mock drafts, the seven big guys I'm talking about, they're all going around right start start with the Pistons pick. Or I've seen you know some. I know John Henson has been working out for as high as Sacramento at five, but most of those guys are supposed to go in that seven eight down to seventeen eighteen range. And right now, it's hard to differentiate between them. But we do know that you know history tells us that three or four years from now, we'll know maybe two or three of those guys just didn't make an impact on the NBA. Two or three became really good rotation players, and maybe one or two became more than that, became you know all-star level players. And you know, I think in this draft, it, it, you're you're likely to get that guy at eight or nine or ten, or maybe twelve or fifteen than you are at four or five. With the Pistons roster the way it is, obviously with the addition of Knight, he and Stuckey have kind of got their sort of ro- uh, relationship going well. Uh, what do you do with a guy like Ben Gordon? Is he going to be the guy who is uh, going to be able to come off the bench consistently? Uh, it just doesn't seem like he's been the Ben Gordon of old in his days of Detroit. Well, there's no question. You look at his numbers for his first five NBA seasons in Chicago, he was remarkably consistent, shot 40% or better from the three-point line every year and produced you know, steady points. And, and it really didn't matter whether he was starting or coming off the bench. He did about equal amounts of both during his time in Chicago. It hasn't been that way for the Pistons. I think he had some flashes last year. Once, uh, you know, once he got his legs under him, everybody was a little wobbly for the first month or so of the season. The Pistons as you probably know, were terrible out of the gate last year, four and twenty to start the season, finished twenty one and twenty one. Joe Dumars at the end of the year said, Look, you know, we're we're really not into the excuses, but when I when you look back, I think there's a there's some logical explanations for four and twenty. You know, we were have we had a first year coach as I know Golden State did too and, and I heard I heard several people and, and, and you know Steve Kerr most most notably I remember early in the season saying he thought that the teams that were handicapped most by the lockout and the rushed training camp and preseason were the ones with, with first-year head coaches. I think that was certainly true with the Pistons. And, uh, you know, Gordon had a, a early season leg injury that knocked him out for about 10 games. Um, he got it going a little bit late in the season. And I think, you know, Pistons don't really know what they're going to get from him next year. They, they can't say for sure that he's going to be the Ben Gordon they thought they were getting from Chicago, but I think they feel pretty good that if, he, if he's back indeed and, 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 and he has that role solidified as the number three guy off the bench, that, that he's going to be at least somebody who can give them you know, 12 to 15 points a game. Maybe he's not the 18 to 20 point scorer they thought they were getting, but you know, I think he, he, did, he did show last year that he still has you know, that three-point shooting range, and uh, you know, it, 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 it would they're not quite getting the bang for the buck that they invested in him, but he's still a uh, you know he's still a valuable commodity. You know you, you like seeing players being loyal, uh, but at this point for for the Pistons, Tayshawn Prince, he's obviously a guy that you have to look at a younger. I would I would assume a younger upgrade at small forward. Well, they signed him for four years, and and Tayshawn is is a guy who you know with his with his body type, he, he's not the type that you expect to to lose it all of a sudden. He's not a guy who. You know, relies on. He's not a Gerald Wallace, for instance, a guy who really relies on athleticism. He's a he's a guy who relies on his length, on his savvy, and then he's got three more years left on his contract. That doesn't necessarily mean it's it's not a you know it's not an onerous contract. They're paying him a, a, a healthy wage, but it's not you know, it's not something that screams that this guy has to be a starter. They do have a, a second round pick last year, a high second round last year, Kyle Singler, who had a very very good 
first year in Spain, you know, highly unusual for, for American uh, college rookies to go to that league, consider the second-best league in, in, the, in the world, and, and make an impact. And Singler played extremely well for the first team. He, he signed with Alicante, kind of a, even though it's in the, the, the premier league over there, uh, you know, they don't have equity in their, uh, in their payrolls over there. And, and he, he was a star for Alicante. Uh, Real Madrid, kind of the Yankees of the uh, Spanish ACB League, bought his contract midseason, and he wound up having a very, playing a significant role for, for um, Real Madrid. And, and they just got, their season just ended few days ago in the game five of the the last possible game of the of the finals uh, so they expect him on the roster and, and should be in the mix with with uh, prince at that spot and and austin day just had a washout season in his third year he went to to uh, russia during the lockout and with the language barrier and everything else he he he, he said it was so much trouble to, to get find food that you know and, and this isn't a guy that could afford to lose weight but he lost 10 pounds came back and was behind the eight ball and just never really got it going. But the Pistons still think, you know, with a, with a good summer, and, and uh, he, he did gain strength over the course of the season, found something, a weird training regimen that, that the Pistons trainer found from that, that allowed him to gain some strength during the season. So they're hoping he can still be in the mix at that spot, too. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned about, about Tayshaun Prince. We see him, you know, only a couple of times a year. So if you catch a guy on a bad night, you know, you almost make your judgment off of that. Like, oh, that guy's, you know, he's, he's basically done. But you see him every day, and, and he could play a role for that team. Interesting point about the, the, the overseas possible additions. Joe Dumars has been a guy that's not afraid to take chances, not afraid to, to make a deal or so. Do you think he'll be active on draft day? Uh, I think he's he's certainly open to it. Last year, you know, as as uh, that draft started to unfold last year, and it, you know, Cleveland, as I said, threw that kind of curveball at the draft by taking Tristan Thompson. Joe said he was on the phone at the time Cleveland was making the pick with Toronto, and they pretty much had a deal in place. The Pistons would have would have gone from seven to five, and uh, we can assume there were there was one player on each side uh, going back and forth. So he's he's open to that. There's no question about it. I don't know that this is. The kind of draft that screams you you move uh, you know I, like I said when we talked about the difference of, of of what you could get at nine versus what you could get higher than the lottery I don't know that there's motivation to move up I think they would perhaps be open to moving down it depends you know and, and uh, there's a lot of speculation that Houston with picks 14 and 16 might be interested in packaging to move up well it depends on you know on Houston finding someone that they really like higher in the draft. They're sure isn't going to slip, and it also depends on the team that's willing to trade down. Are they confident that somebody they like will still be there? So, I, yeah, I, I'm sure if, if Joe was on the phone, I think he'd tell you I'm open to anything. Yes, yeah, I think it's good because of the the balance that you you know so pointed out in this draft after you know Anthony Davis. There is kind of a plateau there of maybe ten players. I think right in the middle of the, the lottery, I think we could see teams moving up one or two spaces. Maybe not a blockbuster deal per se, but just maybe a, a deal that gives another team a veteran player and uh, a pick maybe two or three spots down just because there might be one particular player that slides that another team you know covets and they might be able to move up with a a trade or, or uh, you know, maybe another pick thrown in there. So I think I think it could be very active there, right in the middle of the lottery. Well, I think you know, I mean, the, the, if if your mock unfolds the way you're talking about, and Andre Drummond really does get past, I think that I think the tripping point for him is probably six with Portland. If he gets past Portland, then then it gets really interesting. I don't know that, uh, you know, I don't know that either Golden State or or Toronto picking eighth would would look that way. But I do think that then trade comes into play very much. That teams are saying, "Hey, 
Andre Drummond, you know, we, we realize it's, it's high risk, high reward, but the, but at this point, seven or eight, it's worth the risk. Let's trade up and, and get him. So I do think if, you know, and, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, if we turn back the clock six months, people were saying this guy is neck and neck with, with Anthony Davis as the best prospect in the draft. Then the college season started, Davis took off, and, and Drummond kind of staggered. But I think you can talk yourself into, if you're intoxicated by the, just the, the the sheer physical size of him, the way he tested in Chicago, you can talk yourself into that was a really dysfunctional UConn team. They had point guards who dominated the ball. Jim Calhoun was in and out. You know, a, a lot of turmoil surrounding that team with with the uh, the whole uh, you know the looming probation with not having the the graduation rates and everything. It was kind of a, a mess at UConn this year, and you can certainly talk yourself into this guy was was affected by that. So we'll see. I mean, he's I think he's the second youngest player in the draft. Eighteen won't be nineteen until until the season starts. And wow, I mean, he is he certainly passes the eye test. I saw him in Chicago, and and I can see people you know people have the, the comparisons on him have been really, really good or really, really bad. And, but he does, you know, you can see that there's a physical kind of a, kind of a resemblance to a cross between Amari Stoudemire and Dwight Howard when you look at him. So, Keith, now with uh, David Stern heading to the podium, and he says, with a ninth selection in the 2012 NBA draft, the Detroit Pistons select? Well, if, if it un- unfolds this way, I do think that Andre Drummond would be too big a value to pass up with the ninth pick in the draft. So I think, you know, and and we talked earlier about the profile of a guy who slides in next to Monroe. I mean, Drummond certainly uh, certainly checks off every box on, on, on your wish list there with his athletic length, his, his potential to be a dominant defensive player. So if, if it unfolds this way, I think it's going to be Andre Drummond. You know, and it's funny, too, because just on sheer size alone, if you're playing drum alongside with Monroe, it may not be the quickest team ever put on an NBA floor, but you will be able to protect the basket, no doubt about that. Well, yeah, and and, and Drummond, I mean, by all by all accounts, is has, is an amazing athlete for his size, and and his uh, agility tests in Chicago kind of kind of reflect that. So, I think you'd have tremendous versatility between those guys. You could have, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be a, a traditional forward center. It would kind of be like. The matchup of the night is going to is going to determine what defensive positions those guys would play. Probably over a seven rebounds a game, two point seven blocks a game, ten points a game, while playing twenty eight minutes in thirty four contest for UConn. Andre Drummond and the Pistons are instantly bigger, and uh, somewhere Lawrence Frank would be grinning ear to ear. I think he would be very happy with that. So he's a defense first coach, so I think yeah, that would uh, that would probably probably uh, make him happy. Well, Keith, I mean this in all sincerity. I hope that we don't talk to you next year. I hope maybe that, that the Pistons uh, get to the playoffs and you won't be in the lottery next year. That sounds good to me. Well, the sliding has stopped. Andre Drummond going to the Detroit Pistons. My thanks to Keith Langlois of Pistons.com for helping us with that selection. We are now through nine picks of the 2012 NBA mock draft. And Sean Kelly, who picked number one for New Orleans, he had the easiest selection in our mock draft, now has maybe a much more difficult one at number 10 for the New Orleans Hornets. When we come back here at Warriors.com, Sean will be with us with the 10th pick of the 2012 NBA draft. We continue to mock the NBA draft and cover the NBA draft. I'm Tim Roy for Warriors.com. 